The State University of New York's College of Environmental Science and Forestry hopes to spread genetically engineered chestnut trees in the wild. First, they must gain approval from the United States Department of Agriculture. Numerous environmental organizations representing millions of members have signed on in opposition to the proposal. One organization is the Dogwood Alliance, which works to protect southern forests across 14 states. The Alliance opposes genetically engineered trees and corporate forest plantations as threats to biodiversity and climate. Scott Caranda is Communications Director for Dogwood Alliance. My name is Scott Caranda, and I am the Communications Director for Dogwood Alliance. Dogwood Alliance was founded in 1996 as an organization working to protect the forests and communities of the southern United States. Our work is really focused at the intersection of forest protection, environmental justice, and solving the climate crisis. Why is an organization like Dogwood Alliance concerned about genetically engineered trees? We value more than anything our standing forests. Standing forests provide clean drinking water for millions of Americans They're our best defense against climate change, both in pulling carbon out of the atmosphere and storing it, but also protecting our vulnerable communities from things like storm surge and flooding. Uh, They provide habitat for all kinds of important biodiversity and wildlife. And the list goes on and on and on. And nature does what it does best. And it's evolved over millennia to create the conditions that we have now. And those conditions are set up so that we can uh, be safe and thrive, both the the human and plant communities, um, by introducing something like genetically engineered trees into our, uh, our environment, into our forests. You're basically messing with the brilliance of Mother Nature. Um, so essentially, those genetically engineered trees Um, could have catastrophic effects on the web of life, on biodiversity, um, and really are only being introduced for commercial purposes. It's simply for more corporations to make more profit, not for the betterment of humanity. How how does uh, the Dogwood Lions think about the uh, GE chestnut? We see the GE chestnut really as uh, as the wolf in sheep's clothing. So it's really a uh, marketing opportunity, a way to convince the public that genetically engineered trees are not only harmless, but they're 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 good. They're important for the future of our forests. Um, but really that's, you know, we see that as a, as a major problem because essentially what you're doing is you're creating, um, this, this psychology where people go, Oh, look, this GE chestnut, it's a good thing. We're bringing back the chestnut. It's such a part of our heritage. Great. Um, and then they go, Oh, more GE trees. Those must be good too. Um, and that, you know, that's the opposite of the truth. And as, as, as someone who has walked in many, many forests uh, where, where chestnuts dominated the landscape, I understand what they mean to the, the people and culture and the history uh, of our region. But that's not something that we can, we can go back to. Um, if nature wants to bring it back, nature's going to bring it back. Um, those trees will find a way to survive the blight. Um, and really uh, tinkering with genetics in order to 
fool people in the long term and bring on these commercial plantations of all kinds of other trees at the expense of our forest community and biodiversity is a mistake. Tell me a little bit about the concerns and observations uh, regarding forest plantations, commercial forest plantations. Certainly. Um, we view, uh, or we, we would say that a, a pine plantation or a forest plantation is, or a tree plantation is not a forest. Um, it is really a commercial crop. And so what we've seen in our region over the last uh, 30 or so years is a large amount of our natural forests being clear cut and then converted to uh, monoculture tree plantations. The whole purpose of a tree farm or a tree plantation is producing fiber and wood. It is not doing the important services that our natural forests provide us with. And, and you know, the list goes on and on, but when you look closely at it, in order to, to have a crop like a tree plantation, it requires the use of chemical fertilizers, it requires the use of uh, toxic herbicides, it requires a lot of water, and it basically is depleted of wildlife. Uh, according to, to the eminent biologist E.O. Wilson, um, a pine plantation is 90 to 95 less diverse than a natural forest, which make the corporations that are profiting off that happy, um, but does not provide us with what forests need to provide us in order to thrive and survive. Are there any connections to climate change? Absolutely. Um, if you look at, at the long uh, the long history of logging in the southern United States, um, you'll note that a vast majority of our forests ha have, have been logged. Um, you know, starting in the late uh, 1800s, especially, it really picked up speed um, into the first half of the, uh, the 20th century, the 1900s. And we have never paid back that carbon debt that we created at that point. But over the last 75 years, say, um, we have seen our natural forests grow back. And older forests store more carbon. What we're doing when we focus on plantations as a carbon storage method it again is just a scheme by industry to capitalize on what people are concerned about. So people are concerned about climate change. So we'll put out this, this idea that we need to plant more trees and that that's going to solve the climate crisis. But really what we need to do is protect our standing forests, which are already doing a job, a good job, allow them to grow uh, further in their maturity to suck up and store more carbon not bring onto the landscape fast growing trees that we say are pulling in carbon, but really all they're doing is pulling in carbon so they grow big enough so that they can be chopped down again and turned into another product. This is really a scheme by industries really across the world um, to try and push more of a plantation model of forests um, as a way to have a sustainable amount of fiber for all of the things that they want to produce from paper to wood to energy you name it. And I think that one of the, the greatest tragedies that we're witnessing right now is this is this push uh, to burn forests for electricity and wood for electricity. And genetically engineered trees and pine plantations are a big part of that plan. In order to keep up with any level of demand, they're going to have to grow them fast, cut them quick and burn them. 
again and again and again, therefore releasing way more carbon into the atmosphere than those young trees could ever store. You mentioned faster growth. Are there any other qualities that uh, industry is interested in when it comes to uh, genetically engineered trees for tree plantations? Oh, absolutely. The, the the list goes on and on and on for all the types of things that they're interested in genetically engineering trees for. And all of those things are to increase their commercial viability. So uh, we have a long history of working on the is- issue of genetically engineered trees because the first field trials that ever happened for a genetically engineered tree happened in the southern United States. And those tri- trials were focused on uh, eucalyptus trees. You'll find eucalyptus plantations in uh, in the tropics, uh, a real tragedy, places like Brazil, um, many parts of Africa where they're replacing their natural forests, Southeast Asia as well, and, and Indonesia, um, where they're replacing natural forests and planting these eucalyptus trees because they grow right in those conditions. Mainly, uh, it started for pulp and paper. Now it's moving into more things like energy. So in the South, thankfully, our climate is not quite warm enough to commercially grow eucalyptus plantations. Otherwise, we would have a lot more. So the first genetically engineered trees that were tested were cold-tolerant eucalyptus trees. So basically, what they wanted to do is take something that would not naturally grow here and engineer it so that it would survive uh, our cold snaps in the winter. The other things that we've seen them work on that are ridiculous are things like Um, herbicide tolerance. So you can engineer a tree so that you can spray it with a lot more chemicals and it won't kill it, though that doesn't protect our human health, our water quality, or all of the biodiversity that should be happening in that forest. Um, My favorite were the the boneless trees, as I would call them. Um, So they were basically uh, trying to engineer out the, the hard parts of trees that all the chemicals are needed for when you when you pulp a tree to get that out so that you get the fiber you need to make paper. So they basically wanted to make these trees that were like rubber um, so that they didn't have to spend so much to turn them into paper. Um, the tragedy there would be if that pollen got mixed in and started to, to mix with natural forests, we basically could have potentially wiped out all of our forests. We really had no idea what the implications are with that one. So thankfully that one's been backburnered for a while, but we continue to see these crazy ideas on how we're going to adapt to growing conditions by engineering strange qualities into trees that put little to no thought or foresight into what are actually the long-term implications to the web of life. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Scott.